opportunity, uh, granting me the opportunity to stand um, in front of the believers this evening, uh, even though it's not the easiest of tasks. Uh, I said to my wife, um, she asked, how am I feeling? I said, um, for some strange reason, I'm very nervous tonight, and each time that I get the opportunity to stand here, it doesn't get easier. Amen. Um, it also just goes to show the seriousness of standing in front of, of the believers. Um, because anything that I say, um, I will be held accountable. Amen. So tonight we can um, go to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10.
it reads as follows Finally my brethren be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principality principalities against powers against the rulers of darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places amen as we pray our dear precious heavenly father lord god father we thank you this evening oh god that we could gather again oh god father god as we sang oh god that father god we want to come closer to thee oh god father god but oh lord we know that in the evening time oh god you came down to have fellowship with your children oh lord father god i pray this evening oh god as a mere vessel oh god father Father God that you would come down oh God and use me oh God. Father God I'm not here oh God just to to stand oh God but I'm here oh God for you to use my vocal cords oh God. Father God we thank you oh God again this evening oh God. Father God that we still have the opportunity to hear from you oh God. Father God myself I pray oh God as you minister to each and every one of us oh God include me oh God father. Father God we say thank you Lord Father God come now and have preeminence in this meeting oh God come now Lord Father and may your will oh God take control Father we thank you Lord and we surrender all that we are into thy mighty hand in Jesus name we pray amen amen we can take our seats Um, in the beginning or this evening my title will be mind battles faith versus doubt uh, it's the beginning of the year um, so many new resolutions I'm tempted to ask um, how many had a new diet plan but in the same breath how many uh what's it 15 days later stuck to that diet plan we as christians walk our daily walk we need to realize that this walk is warfare and it's not easy this battle that we constantly facing is one that can only be won if we submit to god it would have been much easier if it was a warfare of flesh and blood because tonight some of us might have walked in here with a goliath head to prove that we overcame but unfortunately it doesn't work like that because the battle that we fighting is higher and this battle is not ours 
in the prophet tells us in the message the greatest battle ever fought that this great first battle that was ever fought begin in heaven when Michael and his angels fought against Lucifer and his angels it first started the first battle was in heaven so sin did not originate on earth it originated in heaven Lucifer being an angel um, God created angels um, same as us with free moral agents they have the ability to say yes or no and these angels going to and fro doing what God says they, they need to do all the task that has been issued to them and Lucifer decides one day that I need to be worshipped like that I need to sit in that position and God looks at this and God doesn't allow that God cannot allow that He'll never allow that and then in chapter 63 prophet says and then it and then it was thrown down from heaven cast out of heaven to the earth and fell on human beings Amen. then the battle from angels became human battles right. and satan became come to destroy god's creation so satan is on a mission whether you agree or disagree with him he's here to destroy he's here to destroy God's creation what God had created to be for himself himself he had Satan come to destroy this that is what his purpose was to destroy it then the battle begin here on earth and begin in us and has been raging ever since now before any battle can be put in array they first have to choose a meeting ground or place where the battle is to be fought a selected place we can see now it's all over the news Iran, USA the common ground is Iran even though USA was the first one to strike Iran didn't send the missile all the way to the USA because the common ground is Iran that is where the, the current battle is, is raging and then chapter or chapter 6 not chapter 60 um, paragraph 68 when this great battle started on earth Here had to be a mutual meeting place. There had to be a place selected for the battle to begin and for this battle to rage. And that battleground begins in the human mind. Amen. Lucifer knew this. The devil knew exactly that the mind is the control tower. He knew that if he is in that control tower, anything is possible. And all that he needs to do is for you to doubt. Yeah. Right. It, he doesn't have to convince you or 
All that the devil needs to do is for you to doubt the word of God. And that is all that he is after. The human, one, the, the human mind was chosen for the place of the battle, where it was begin. And this is because that decisions are made from the mind, the head. Now they never started it from some organization. They never started it from some mechanical affair. The crowns never started there. Therefore, the organizations can never, never do the work of God because the battlegrounds where you've got to meet your enemy is in the mind. You've got to make your choice. It meets you. So, God made us free moral agents. And He gave us the ability to think. He gave us two options. Either you believe or you doubt. And God loves us so much that with that option, He still gives you the opportunity and the privilege to choose the right one. He feeds you the the information. He says later on, you've got death and life before you. Just like Adam and Eve, every man is a free moral agent. And the tree of life and the tree of death is before us all. You can take either one you wish to. It depends on what tree you eat of. Of it was you are. That's right. And God is. God created you a free moral agent to do whatever you want to do about it. He can't make you love him. And he don't force you to love him. So it's up to you. The last paragraph, paragraph 74, says, But the spirit is only one sense. The spirit, oh let's get it. The spirit has one sense. So the spirit can't be double-minded. It can't have a middle line. And that sense is either dominates it, it's fate or doubt. That's exactly. And there's only one avenue to it, and that's free moral agency. So you need to decide. And God says that he hates lukewarm. He spews it out. You can't. There's nothing that God hates like a man that is double-minded. So, it's either you have faith or you doubt. You you can accept doubt or you can accept faith. Either one you want to work on. The prophet, either one you want to work on. So, with that, I believe, I believe, doesn't just stop there when you walk out. It's a continuous work. Therefore, Satan begin at the principal part to cause the spirit of man to doubt God's word. God begin at the principal part to lay his word in the spirit. There you are. That's what he does. Amen. So, it's clear that we've got two options. It's not a bag of quality streets where you 
open it up and you've got variety. God gave you just two options. It's yes or no. It's either you take it or you leave it. And I would like to go to Genesis chapter 3. Let's have a look what the devil does to, to Eve. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord, had, the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, had God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So, the devil is, is very cunning. He's laying and waiting. And nowhere in the scripture do we find that the devil approached Adam. No. He went to Eve. He waited for Eve to be alone. Eve separated herself from the word. Adam is the word of God. And the minute that Eve separated the devil waits and isn't it the same in our lives that the minute you start spending less time with the word or for some reason you take a wrong turn there's always trouble ahead because the devil is watching you so closely that any misstep that you take he's ready to pounce on you he's ready to take you on. And here, when Eve was all alone, he took his opportunity. And all that he did was plant the seed of doubt in Eve's head. All that he made her do was doubt. She started reasoning with the word of God. She had the opportunity to either apply the word of God, but in that moment, she then started reasoning. And because of that, Satan could then pounce on her and take advantage. But as the story goes, there's just something that I want to highlight about Eve, of, or not Eve, about God. In chapter, in verse 21, the Bible says, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and cloth them. God covered them. And if we look at it from a natural perspective, they said they were naked. They said that they felt ashamed because they walking around naked. But if we 
delve deeper, if we look at it from a spiritual perspective, isn't it God covering their sin? Isn't God taking the life of an animal to cover their sin? And 2,000 years later, didn't Jesus do the same for us? He came and He covered our sins. When we are filthy and we were found in the muddy clay, Jesus came our way and He took us, He embraced us to cover us. If we go further, we look at Abraham and Isaac. The Lord comes to Abraham and He says to Abraham, you should take the firstborn that I gave you. I mean, it's a promise that God made. And that promise never stopped at just having a son. That son had to produce a nation or nations. And God says to Abraham, take him to the mountain and sacrifice him. I mean, for any parent to think, even if you have to stand in a hospital and your child is on life support and that doctor gives you an option to switch off the machines, how many can honestly say it will be just the flick of a button? In a few years back, we had a situation where the doctor blatantly said, there's no chance, there's no chance. Uh, It's fine. It's either you try and survive, but I can guarantee you that the longer you delay the uh, operation, um, you're putting yourself and the little one at risk. And, I mean, as a young parent, I'll never forget, I mean, my own family, my siblings, phones, and I mean, I'm in a state. Even though my wife is pregnant, I haven't even held that child in my hand. But I'm sobbing. And my, one of my siblings says to me, no, it's fine. You can try next time. I mean, really? You can try next time. I've got expectations for this. This little one that is being developing in my wife's womb. So, if you look at Abraham, after waiting 100 years for this, I waited, what, five months and I couldn't. I couldn't say, it's fine, doctor, cut and let's go. Abraham waited 100 years and God says to him, take, go up to the mountain. And not just go up and stab your son, let me see if you are willing to do it. But God says to him, take wood, pack wood, put your son on the altar. If it was just a corpse, we could still lay hands and say, pray to God, might raise the corpse, bring the, um, Isaac back to life. But God says to him, go, put him on an altar. 
So you take that corpse and it will be ashes. It will be impossible to. And Abraham trusts God. Abraham goes and he doesn't even tell his wife of where he's going. Because that could have easily been a debate and he might have been the only one going up to the mountain. Yet Abraham goes quiet. He goes and he subjects himself. When he gets to the mountain, he tells his servants, wait here, me and the boy will go further. He says he'll be back. So Abraham believed. Abraham never reasoned with God. He never went and said, but Lord, you promised me, Lord, I waited 100 years and it came to fulfillment. Why can you do this? No. Abraham never did that. And what he actually did, he did exactly what God wanted him to do. So, if we can get to that point where we can trust God to that point, where if it looks and seems impossible, because it is in that situation where God can and will prove to you that there is nothing impossible for him. We look at the story of Moses. From, a, from birth, his parents realized that there's something special about him. And fine, they put him on the river. And just as God orchestrates things, imagine being put in a river where crocodiles are feeding on baby babies and I mean that crocodile one thing of a wild animal once it tastes human blood it forgets that I need to hunt for wild it wants that and here's Moses in a basket from the basket into the palace his mother is the one that takes care of him God orchestrating events but he doesn't stop there his mother is busy ministering unto him she tells him exactly who he is but Moses makes one mistake he goes out and knowing that he's actually Israelite now He sees um, what the Egyptians are doing to his fellow brothers and he kills an Egyptian. Buries the body. Next day he comes out and he sees two um, Israelites fighting and he stops them and he The one says to him, but what are you going to do? You're going to kill me like you killed your fellow brother yesterday. And Moses realized, but I'm in trouble. And he runs. And with this, 
he ends up living in the desert for 40 years. But in that, Moses tried doing God a service without it's being God's will. Moses tried doing something without a revelation. Had he had the revelation at that time, wouldn't the situation have been different? So after being 40 years in the desert, he must have been comfortable now. I mean, no one's chasing you. He's got an easy life. He's managing it. And then the one day, he meets the burning bush. And the Lord says to him, as he draws near to this burning bush, take off your shoes, you are standing on holy ground. And Moses takes off his shoes. By doing that, he submits to God. In that moment, God was maybe just testing to see, is my child obedient? In that moment, Moses showed obedience. And find him and God had a conversation. And God says to him that he wants to set his children free. And Moses, I think if it was in our day, we would even send God a fun location to say, no, Egypt is that way. Uh, but me, I'm not going that way. I'd rather stay where I am. But God says, no, I'm, I'm choosing you. In that conversation, Moses realized who he is in God. In that situation, Moses realized that he is an amateur God. And he takes God's word and he goes, takes his wife, children and off he goes. He gets to Pharaoh. He says, I'm here. I mean, me and you played together, so we're not strangers. We know each other. And I'm going to make it easier on you. I'm here to fetch my people. God sent me. I'm fetching God's people. And I think there must have been a few words to and fro. And Moses says, no, it's easy. God gave me a sign. Throws down his staff. And the snake, Janus and Jambra, same. But at that moment where Janus and Jamra throw down their sticks, Moses did something very important. God never told him that that's going to happen. But in that moment, Moses stood still and he let God do what needs to be done. It was at that moment where his snake swallowed the other snake. And Janus and Jambra must have said to Pharaoh, this guy means business here. So we know the story goes on. And we find out that if we let God operate in our lives, if if we let God do the work in our lives, we get to a point where we get to the Red Sea and a mountain on the side. And even though Satan is constantly chasing us, 
constantly out there to get to us if we let God open the Red Sea for us. When we get to the other side, if we look back, that devil that is chasing us will not be there anymore. In this new year, we need to get to a point where our faith must be so strong. We need faith with muscles so that we can trust God enough to do that do that for us. Our faith must be of such that we cast out reason. We cannot still be reasoning on the word. And the devil is so cunning. There's a song that my wife likes. Um, says that the devil learns from our mistakes. And once he learns your mistake and you don't have faith enough to move on, what does he do? He puts you in a hamster wheel. See in a hamster. The faster he goes, he's going nowhere. But that wheel is turning. And that's what the devil does with you. We say a dog chases its own tail. You'll find yourself fighting the same battles over and over and over. And why? Because you do not have faith enough to cast out reasoning. We need to realize that we are God's property. Prophet tells us if God puts his seal on you, the devil cannot claim you. But yet, he never promised that he won't arrest you. God put his seal on Job. He claimed Job. Job was his. Yet, he let the devil go and tempt Job. But Satan could never claim Job. Had he killed Job, who knows. But God said, that is mine. Now, if we can have that kind of faith, that we can know that Satan, no matter who you are, I've got authority. If he comes knocking, you must have faith enough to open the door and say, Jesus, I think this one is for you. Because why can't we, in that situation, have faith to say, Daddy, I think this, you need to take care of this. Instead, we become so vulnerable that we allow him in. We even give him a chair to sit down. Let's listen. Maybe he's got something to say. Let's find out what what he wants. And that's the biggest mistake because he knows exactly what you did wrong. God forgot about it. God cast it away. But the devil never forgot. And he makes you feel guilty. Starts playing on your emotions. We look at a point where Jesus came on the scene and I mean the devil must have looked and said, but what is God trying to do? A baby in a major? 
I can't see this doing anything to what I'm trying to achieve. I'll easily destroy this. At two years old, he tried killing Jesus. He failed. He, he couldn't. And one day, Jesus and Satan came here to it in the desert. And all that Jesus did was, Thus said the Lord. He stood with the word. And the devil, as cunning as he is, knows the scripture, he knows the quotations, yes. he quotes. But what about this? What about that? And each time that the devil tried to put a punch or put a blow, Jesus just used the scripture, the word. And that is how we need to fight our battles. We need to get to a point where we can say, Thus said the Lord. The prophet says that the only way we can get past doubt is if we unclog those channels. And the only way we unclog those channels is if we spend time with the Word. We are fortunate in this time that we live in, we've got access to so much material. But if you look at youngsters, What's the first thing they... It's WhatsApp, it's Facebook, it's... I, I don't even know what... Yeah. When do you spend time with the Word? Because this is what... Is the thing... The, we need the Word to unclog those channels. And if those channels are unclogged, we can then easily, easily... Enforce, not not fight the devil. No, we're not here to fight him. It's not our battle. We are just here to enforce. We are just here to say, you know what? You're not even worth a battle. Get. There's the door. You are not welcome here. But only if we can yield ourselves to the word of God. Only if we can humble and earnestly seek the Lord. We can have that. We should be... So, the devil streaks never changed. Jesus walked the earth and everywhere that he went, he was fighting the devil. He healed the blind, healed the deaf, raised up the dead and what does the devil do? He gets his clones, he gets his uh, army together, he uses the Pharisees and he sacrifices, uh, crucifies Jesus and he must have thought, you know what, I want this one. Now, shortly, I'll be able to sit on my own throne and be worshipped. Not knowing that this was part of God's plan. Yeah. That God knew that he's going to do that. Yeah. And that authority and that power that Jesus had went into the church. Yeah. Right. From there on, we are the ones that are carrying that power and authority. Right. We are the ones 
that needs to be able to stand and say, you know what, till here we cannot entertain you anymore. We look, and the strange thing is, once you, you make that decision, the battles just comes one after the other. And God is testing you. If God has faith enough in you, He'll let that trial come your way. He did it to Job, He'll do it to you. I mean, the prophet was tested as well. And so many times we get to a point where when we are tested, it's so easy for us to say, you know what, I can't do this. Or this is too hard. The prophet tells when he was sick, young boy, he was sick and he um, got prayer and he went home, he couldn't eat. And he sat and he said to his parents, let's pray. His father must have thought, hey, my son, you, you're losing it here now. But they prayed and he ate. And he says, they had beans and corn and the first spoon went in and it came up. And he said, I'm healed. Regardless of how it looks. And weeks later only, that that he claimed came to pass. We saw it when he prayed. The one day he prays for a, a lady on the pulpit. Or, and he says to her, put your crutches down. She says, no. He says, no, it's fine. Pray, God bless you. Off she goes. Two people behind her, a lady with crutches. He says to her, put your crutches down. Puts it down and she walks away. The lady that walked with the crutches... Two days later or three days later was back in the line. Aren't we also doing that? Same mistake. Over and over. Jesus said to Martha, Mary, roll the stone away so that I can show you what I am capable of. Shouldn't we be the ones that are rolling away the stones and let God take control? Let us see Him be the one that that do the fighting for us. The devil is out there and all that he wants to do is steal your joy. He knows there's one thing he can't do and that is touch your soul. But your joy, I mean it's on a daily basis and it's simple things. He's waiting around every corner just to hint and it's little things that, that upset you or gets to you. And when he does that, he gets, his whole objective is in that, is to let you doubt. If he can get you to doubt, he knows that victory, you will never have victory. So, brothers and sisters, as we Fight this battle. As we go on, it's raging daily. It's daily. But we are fortunate enough that we've got an army that is more than equipped. More than equipped. 
I mean, when you look at the first, when Trump tweeted the first time what he's done, what he done, I think the American troops in Iran were not phased to say, you know what, fine, we're in a war zone, but we've got backup. Back home, we've got the Navy, we've got the Air Force, we've got this in the bag. Hmm? You look at the response that Iran, it was like these Chinese firecrackers, it's a little, poof. We retaliated, we said we will. And that's exactly what the devil expects. But we need to be like that American soldiers that you know what, as much as we're in a war zone here, it's a matter of a phone call. It's a matter of a phone call and I mean the whole world stands up, stands behind us. But we are more fortunate than that soldier because we don't need to make a phone call. Might end up having network issues. Uh, we are so fortunate that we can't even say we've got Jesus in our hearts because we've got more than that. We are amateur gods, we've got authority. We need to say, we are able. When you claim victory, when you claim your healing, tomorrow morning you're going to get up, wake up. The chances that uh, you feel better or you look better is very slim. Very, very slim. But that is just God testing you. Putting you through your paces. Because to say, I believe, you said it. Now love it. If it's one day, ten days, ten years, love the life that you claim. Regardless of who you lose along the way, that God has a purpose with that. God will take people away, especially the young people. It's so sad when you look at young people trying to fit in. I've been, when I was small, um, I think uh, when standard two, I'm that old, we still use standards. <laughs> then um, I went to a white school and the challenge that I had was fitting in because now you get different classes and the higher the parents ranked in the town, the lower you are as an outsider. And only when I grew up I realized, but why is it so easy for you to be drawn 
to friends that don't have a lot of money. They always welcome. But those friends were the naughtiest in the school. They were mischief with the capital. And now when I look back, that is what the devil does to our young people. He makes it so easy for you to, how do you say, I clicked. We got along so well. On your way to hell, you got along. Hmm? Because it's... Breaks my heart if I see that. And it's not just young people. Parents, we're working, we're in the workplace. We see it daily. And we need to stand up. We need to prove that we are worthy of this gospel. If we can live this life daily. Not Sunday and Wednesday. No, no wonder you come to church on Sunday after the sermon. You've charged up Monday morning, batteries flat. Because you're not living the life. Why must God invest energy? Why does ESCOM need to produce power if you're anyway going to waste it? So we need to act on our faith. We need to realize who we are. And if we cannot do that, we are not going to succeed. We're going to wait and we'll come week after week waiting for the rapture. But we need to have rapturing faith. If we cannot activate the rapture, we're going to waste our time. We're just going to waste our time. So, we need to stop reasoning about Nitty gritties. No, my daughter's three years old. And she would see something and she'll ask you why. You give her answer. She'll look, oh, why? And the day she I counted ten times. And after the ten answer, she turns she looks at you, oh, and there she goes. I said, what I need to do some reverse psychology here. She came, I asked her something, she answered, I asked why, first time, second time, I got her answer, third time she looks at me, she says, why are you asking me why? <laughs> no patience for reasoning. She saw that it's not adding value to her, why must she waste the time answering these things? But yet we want to entertain the devil with these things. To and fro, to and fro, wasting our times. I mean, So, tonight, um, I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, we need to activate our faith. Let us roll away those stones. 
We need to roll away that stone so that God can honor our faith. With that stone there, we are hindering God from working in our lives. We expect Him to raise Lazarus from the dead. But yet, the stone is blocking. So, whatever we do, we are privileged enough to have a manual. And it's so simple. God says, the word says, read your Bible, pray every day. No rigmarole, no special water or feathers or what. No. No. If you love someone, I mean, young married couples, the elder, what do you do? You spend time with that person. Before you got married, you spend time with that person. In marriage, it's not, okay, we're married, it's fine now. You still spend time with that person. There's growth continually. It's not a once-off, thank you, fine, we go on. doesn't work that way. You invest. And that thing is what investment what you reap, what you sow, you shall reap. And it's the same with the word of God. If you sow sparingly, you're going to reap the reward of sowing sparingly. And the outcome might shock you. You'll come and blame. Uh, now, yeah, now the message, this, the message, that. How much time did you spend with the message? You are with the message, not in the message. Was the message in you is the question. So, saints, I want to encourage you. God wants to do great things. Great things. But we need to roll away the stones for Him to activate. He wants to honor our faith. I mean, there's nothing as fulfilling as walking out on a Sunday, having heard a message like we heard on Sunday, and Monday or Tuesday you hear someone come back and say, you know what, because of that message, X, Y, Z happened. I overcame one, two, three. Hmm? So many times we'll sit in a service and the minister will say, there might be someone here that is on the brink of committing suicide. And if you haven't seen or experienced someone trying or committing suicide, you might just drop it off. But that saved someone's life. That minister was just rolling the stone away for God to do the work. So it's possible. It's possible. We pray for the young people and God has not given up on them. God has not given up on us at all. On a daily basis, He does things 
But if our channels are so clogged up, we don't see what he's doing. We don't see. And then we come back and we blame God for not for meeting our expectations. But yet we are not allowing him to operate in our lives. So saints, tonight, as I close, all that I want to ask you is, roll away the stone. I mean, you hear that how many million children reported for school today. The sad part is after 12 years, 60-50% makes it to grade 12. Why is that? Where's the investment? Now if that is happening in the natural world, what's happening in the spiritual world? Isn't that the reflection of what's happening in the Christian life? So, saints, we are fighting a serious battle. And we need to be so serious that we need to get to a point where you can say to your brother and sister, you know what? I think I don't trust you on my right hand. Because you dead weight. You're bringing me down. Associate with the right people. Because that dead weight is going to cost you. Might not be now, might not be tomorrow, but the five years from now, that decision that you took today will catch up. So as we go forth from here, I say spend time with the Word. Let us take God at His, at His Word and see what He does for us this year. We are fortunate that I had to explain to my daughter what does adoption mean. And to be simple, I had to say to her, if we go and fetch a child outside and we bring the child in the house and he lives with us, it's not adoption. He's part of the family. Yay, there we go. But the day that that child can sign the same surname as me, the day that child has the same authority as me, that child is adopted. So, tonight, if you go and you become quiet, ask yourself, how much do, am I part of the furniture or am I a shareholder? Am I adopted? Because God has invested in you. And if you're adopted, it's time for your faith to act. It's time for you to apply that faith. So regardless of how the storm may be, apply the faith. We need to start practicing. We need to start. We don't have much time left. And we might 
someone once said you'll be surprised when you get to heaven who you'll find so if you're serious about this now's the time to act we cannot have a pretty party anymore we can't time is fast been so tonight i say to you roll that stone away and you roll that stone away with the word of god thus said the lord believe it apply it says faith moves mountains yeah you believe it tomorrow morning that mountain is there it hasn't moved but the reality is god started moving that mountain with a speck of dust because you are so narrow minded you don't see the broader picture and god is going to try test us with that going to do it over and over until you come to the point where you can submit and humble and and obey and say but lord i see lord it's not much but it's happening so go believing tomorrow morning believe yes sir Next week believe. believe. I think you can ask brother Freddy how many new faces you saw in the gym the first week. How many came this week? It's already a 50% less. We can't operate like that. We can't. We've ran the race up to now. Let us finish it. keeping in mind that my race is not your race. I might be heading for the last 100 meters. Brother, you might be in the message for 50 years. You just started. God operates in that way. So I encourage you tonight, don't give up. Keep believing. even though it seems impossible yes, keep believing yes, keep the faith and god will do the miracles if we believe him if we trust him and let him do the work god puts on the full armor says in ephesians he puts on but he doesn't say go and fight the war doesn't say that all that he needs you to do is to stand and if you can stand you can believe amen
Amen. How many believe that we need to keep on believing? Amen. Brother Brenham, somebody approached him and said, I've got two dogs that are fighting in my mind. He said, there is a black one and a white one. And the question was, which one was going to win? And Brother Brenham says, it depends what you feed most. If you feed a black dog, the doubt, hallelujah, what is going to happen? What is going to happen, believers? And if you feed faith, and how does faith come? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing the word of God. Amen. Uh, God bless you, brother. What it was a blessing. Amen. How many believe so in the building? Yes. 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 
Heavenly Father, dear God, we want to come before thy presence this time. You, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, God Almighty, we thank you for this opportunity again tonight that you've granted us, O oh Father, to come and gather in this fashion. O oh Lord, on a Wednesday service, we've come to worship you, we've come to pray, Lord, on a prayer meeting. And indeed, you've spoken your word unto our heart, reminding us, O oh Father Lord, about who we are, reminding us, O oh Lord, of what we, O oh Jesus, have to put in order for us to stand, O oh God. Faith is the boss. O oh God, without faith, there's nothing that we can do. Even leaving our places, our homes to come to church, O oh Lord, it's also faith. We believed in you. We knew that getting into this place, O oh Lord, would do something. Yes. Father, by faith, O oh God, you brought us together. We just pray that you increase our faith so that we can please you, Lord. There are a lot of things, O oh God, some of them couldn't even stand in for it before us, O oh God. But for lack of faith, O oh God, we're just falling every now and then. But we believe, God, the Bible says... Even though we can fall seven times, seven times we shall rise, O oh God. So we pray, Lord, that you grant us with your faith, O oh God. Increase our faith, O oh Father, so that we can speak to that mountain, Lord. Even if the next morning it's still standing in front, that will never shake our faith, O oh God. Remind us about who we are. Sometimes we're living, O oh Lord, below our privilege. We just pray, Lord, that we stand and know, recognize who we are. The manifestation of the bride of Christ in this time. Thank you, Jesus, for this message that you've given us. Thank you, Lord, for Brother Brennan. Thank you, Father, Lord, for Malachi 4. It's not about going to church and reading the Bible. It's about revelation, oh God. As it is individual, Lord, we pray that you even help us, O oh God. Help those that couldn't make it, O oh Lord, to come to church on Wednesdays. Some, O oh Lord, they've gone to works. Some, O oh Father, Lord, they don't even know why they didn't come to church. 
we just pray, Lord, that you open our eyes. Them that are coming to church on Wednesdays, may you keep us, oh Lord, until the end. We, we don't want to fall, oh Lord Jesus. Those that are making it, oh Lord, I find it's not a problem. We just pray for them, oh God. We pray, Father Lord, that you can open our eyes so that we understand what you're doing on Wednesday services. Father Lord, this is your church, a place that we're coming with all our burdens, everything we've got in our hearts. This is the right place to bring them, O oh Lord. David said he's always happy when they ask him to go to the house of the Lord. This is our prayer this morning, Lord. We're also happy because when we come to your house, we're leaving this place as victorious, O oh God. Victory is in, is in our heart. Victory is ours, O oh God. Whatever that the devil prepared, traps and every tricks out there, because of tonight's service, we're going out, O oh Lord, as conquerors. Nothing will stand, O oh Lord, until Sunday comes. We've been recharged by your word. Bless even your servant, O oh Lord, the vessel you used for us tonight, O oh God. May you bless him. May you, Father Lord, bless his family, O oh God. We pray also for the whole church, O oh God. Bless each and every one of us that made it, O oh Lord. May you grant our heart's desire, O oh Father. Bless our pastor, O oh God Almighty. Keep him, O oh Father Lord, close to thee, O oh God. Inspire him and give him more anointing, O oh Lord. For we're depending on that, O oh Lord Jesus. May you bless the whole church, the whole board, O oh Father, as we commit everything unto you until we meet again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Wasn't it wonderful? We started on a high note for the year. Amen. Now, this number that is here for midweek must not go down. You're going to go invite others that were not here. And say, you come. Because normally what Satan does, he allows one to come to church on Wednesday and check who's not there. And so that next week you say, ah, so-and-so was not there. This week it's me. It does not work like that. When you were here and saw somebody that was not here, you need to tell them that, brother, I did not see you in church. Sister, I did not see you in church. Come to church next week. Don't you have transport? Let's make a plan for you so that you come to the prayer meeting. Are we going to do it like that? Amen. Midweek service is so critical. Absolutely more critical than Sunday. It is the it is the engine of the church. It's what causes the revival on Wednesday. Amen. Sister Lorraine, last year you only missed church once. Out of all Wednesday services, you only miss once. Don't be jealous. You can clap for him. I I observe. I absolutely observe. And then this year, Wednesday service is our theme. Wednesday service, we're going to bulldoze anything our way that prevents us to come to Wednesday service. The difference between the Sunday service and the Wednesday service, it will be the Wednesdays at night, Sundays during the day. That's the only difference. Do we agree? The commitment will be? Hallelujah. 
praying for Wednesday service will be? Are you here? Amen. And no minister will minister to us without their wives being here. Where somewhere my wife said, you know, when you preach, when we travel around, she says, I'm afraid to say amen because people will say, because you are my husband. I say, that's the reason I take you along. You are my amen corner. If you don't say amen, they are wondering that maybe you know something that they don't know. So get on and say amen. amen. We, Brother Bram says, when God calls a man, he calls his wife. Do we agree? It's going to be a Wednesday service. Actually, if it was possible, I was only going to preach only on Wednesdays this year. Amen. But it's not possible. We have to do it like that. But it's absolutely critical. And brothers that are in the board, sisters that are of ministers and deacons in the board, help me on that. If you see somebody struggling on Wednesday, identify what what is the issue if they are local those that are out of town it's understandable but those that are local let's make sure that they come to church are we together we've got a lot of six eight seaters seven seaters outside what those cars god gave us god gave us those cars for a purpose to do what to help his do we agree if you don't, it will be repossessed. Amen. Allow it that God, you use it for the kingdom of God. And God will give you more eight-seaters. Do we agree? Wednesday is critical. And I'm encouraged how you started. In this church, Wednesdays, we take them very seriously. I understand some pastors, because of being senior in the ministry for years, some no longer, they no longer attend Wednesday services. And I wonder, I said, Brother Ed Biscal is, he must be 85 this year, coming from an open heart surgery, still does not miss Wednesday, Sunday morning, and Sunday evening. They've got three services a week. A man who's 85, he comes to the church, sit down, ministers are ministering, and somebody that has never met the prophet is too big for Wednesday service. Let's not be too big for Wednesday service. It is part of the... If you honor Wednesday service, you're going to see what God is going to do in this church. Do we agree? Let's, let's put God to the test. Amen. If there are issues, you've got deacons. Deacons are here to serve you, to make sure that if there are bottlenecks, they unlock it. But... Missing church because of transport is one of the lousiest excuses. Malaga is our minister of transport here. Amen. So transport is not an issue. Where there is a will, there is a way. Amen. God bless you. Looking forward to next Wednesday. I will be observing and I will, I'm going to, I told Brother Mpanyana, uh, during the week, I say, I'm going to be very honest about my feedback on Wednesdays. I'm going to be very direct. God bless you. That's my responsibility. Uh, isn't it the work of the shepherd? Amen. Let's sing. Let's sing. Say amen to encourage me to keep you accountable. All right.
Now on Sunday, on Saturday, four o'clock, four o'clock or three o'clock. Black Grace, oh, three o'clock. Three o'clock. We need all the musicians here on Saturday. All musicians, three o'clock, will be here. I will as welcome. I'm not coming to sing. There's just something before you rehearse. Amen. Are we together? Every every engine will fire in this church this year. Amen. So, three o'clock on Saturday, let's all, if you know you're a musician, be here. God bless you richly. Uh, there is a song that I was thinking, but it slipped off my mind. I will remember it on Sunday. Give us any song that is in your heart. Amen. God bless you. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. I'm in a brand new. Oh, things are passed away. Oh, yeah. I'm born again. Oh, yeah.